Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. Happy Monday, Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. He's the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. You can find us on Twitter at Stadium Bets. We'll be posting all of our best bets and all the the videos from the podcast on there so you can keep up with all of our picks as we head into college football bowl season. Um, And we hope everyone is feeling good. It's the the Monday after Thanksgiving weekend, Nate, is, uh, is a rough one. It's a rough one for a lot of people, so hopefully... Winning some of these bets over the weekend uh, made it a little bit better. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of food and a lot of football. I was pretty exhausted uh, last night watching the Browns Ravens game, especially because I had a ticket on the Browns plus four and had them in contests where I was just hoping to pull out a winning week at three and two. I was two and two going into that, so that end game situation was very disappointing and. I don't have much motivation, honestly, to watch Monday Night Football tonight between the three and seven <laughs> Seahawks and the the Washington Football Team that hasn't really had a good accounting for themselves this season, other than the last two games. So we'll see what I do. Probably won't have a bet there, but getting ready for conference title week in college yeah. football, an exciting time. I feel like there's a little bit of weight less on our shoulders that there isn't a full college football regular season staring at us like 40 games or whatever there's only 10 games this week i guess 11 if you count the makeup game between california and usc which might actually have an interesting betting angle because of the head coaching move by link with by usc hiring lincoln yeah. riley but it does feel like this week going to be a little bit more easier to navigate and manageable so looking forward to that with a lot of conference title games with playoff implications on saturday yeah i'm excited we got uh some plans for guests lined up Throughout this week, next week, the week after, talking a lot of college football bowl games and uh, conference championships and everything like that. So we're, we're going to have some fun over the next couple weeks with some guests. Uh, some housekeeping, though, before we get into some sweats of the week, just taking a look at our best bet records. Um, not a great weekend for us. I went 0-2. You went 1-3. You got the lone win for the podcast this weekend, Nate. Uh, last 1-3 week or 1-2? Or one and two, excuse me. Okay. Yeah, one and two. So <laughs> even a better record, honestly. One short for you. Uh, but you got yeah. that Tulsa plus six and a half as they as they got that win. Um, Bears did not make it through for me. They lost. They won by two, and I had them at minus three. So that's always a fun way that to was lose tough. that. That Wisconsin Minnesota over thirty nine would have been lovely if one of those teams scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter, and that didn't happen. They got thirty six for the total. Um, so that wasn't fun. Uh, Penn State minus one as Michigan State won that game, and you had Boston College plus four and a half, which also didn't hit. So t- tough, tough lines. I mean, it was close. It was one of those games where a lot of a lot of the games that we had were close, <laughs> and it just didn't hit. Yeah, and I I want to go back that Wisconsin Minnesota game. I believe Minnesota punted from their uh, Wisconsin's like twenty five yard line with like time winding down, and they had like a ten yard fifteen yard punt because they didn't want to risk yeah. 
kicking a field goal, and that would have at least got a push. So that would have been fun. Pretty disappointing, I know, for there. The Bears really could have gone either way. And then with me, Penn State uh, closed, I believe, minus four, got as high as minus five and a half on game day because of of the word got out that Michigan State was going to be without like half their starters and a bunch of other players due to a flu outbreak. And then I was on the wrong side of the flu outbreak. I guess Boston College had some cases that I found out about after Wednesday, but I still was willing to take a chance and bet on it because their quarterback, Dracovic, was still playing, even though he doesn't look 100%. And then Tulsa got there. Even though they were down early, it looked like SMU maybe quit a little bit when they realized that their coach already accepted the uh, TCU job, I think the day before, and it's the reports where he was preparing all weeks, assembling his staff. So he definitely didn't look like a focused team in Tulsa. We'll be going bowling. So that angle worked out well. And there was a bunch of other five and six teams that won straight up or covered the spread. So if you follow some of that and some of our uh, hangover sandwiches, I think all of those hit. So <laughs> the best bets didn't go well, but I think there was a lot of good information with uh, Colorado covering North Texas covering in an ultimate yep. sandwich game against UTSA. And then on Saturday or Friday and Saturday, Arkansas and Clemson beating Missouri and South Carolina respectively after Missouri and South Carolina clinched bowl eligibility the week before. So our records going into conference championship week for football, and it includes the NFL, of course, but I'm 22 and 19, 54% win percentage. You're 16 and 16 with a 50% win percentage in the podcast as a whole, 38 and 35 for a 52% win percentage. And I do have an NBA best bet coming up at the end of the show. I'm four and three um, in those. DeMontis Sabonis killed me last week with his, uh, over 16 and a half, and I think he scored eight and only played 22 minutes. So hopefully we don't have that same issue again in the NBA. Uh, so let's go to the sweat of the week because we had a we had a sweat of the week for you, and this goes all the way back, Nate, to what we were talking about in August with these team uh, season win totals. Yeah, so back in August, I believe we wrote an article for week zero of college football where it was just you, you and me, Ben, where we shared our favorite win totals and some other futures. And I gave out Auburn under seven. There was also some under seven and a half, but the pretty much consensus number was Auburn under seven. So we graded it at that. And that was definitely the win total I had the most money on. It was a very up and down season in terms of that win total. It looked very good in the fourth quarter when they were trailing to Georgia State back in September. And they pulled out that victory and then they beat LSU and they beat, they had another upset, I believe, but it was just a lot of like, like they could have been dead and buried against Georgia State, but they came back and won a game on a controversial call. And they ended up making, you know, starting off six and three the first nine games and wasn't in a really good position. I knew the Iron Bowl was upcoming, but they had games against Mississippi State and South Carolina. They were favored in both games. They ended up losing both those games, one where they blew a big lead against Mississippi State. Bo Nix goes down. They lose at South Carolina in the first game after Bo Nix's season-ending injury. So they were 6-5 and five heading into the Iron Bowl, 20-and-a-half-point underdogs. I think they were 8-1 to one on the money line. And I kind of was like, oh, you know, I could, you know, maybe battle a little bit of Auburn plus 800 to, like, basically break even or something if they win. But at the same time, at under 7, a push 
would have just got my money back or avoided the bet. Yeah. So I wasn't too worried about that. I figured Alabama in a game they needed against a backup quarterback would deliver. And that certainly didn't really happen the first 58 <laughs> minutes. And if you look at the end game situation, I think the reason why it's so sweat is Alabama turns it over on downs with about less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter, down seven. They haven't done anything offensively. Their best wide receiver, Jamison Williams, got ejected for targeting on punt coverage. And Alabama just couldn't do anything on offense. They did have two timeouts, and there was a second down play where then Alabama had one timeout where Auburn running back Tank Bigsby ran out of bounds one yard short of getting a first down because he was fighting for some extra yards. That ended up basically keeping Alabama's season alive because on the next play, Alabama gets a stop. They have used their last timeout. Auburn pins them back, but at least they had a minute left or something, over a minute left or I know they had over a minute and a half left, but if not, they would have had under a minute left if Bigsby didn't go out of bounds. They end up tying the game, winning in quadruple overtime. So Auburn under seven regular season wins gets there, even though it was a very bad decision by the running back of Auburn and and the coaches of Auburn not reminding their players to no matter what, get out of bounds. The first downs are relevant. Make sure that Alabama has as least time as possible, especially because their defense was playing so well. So somehow, after a pretty crazy two-month stretch for Auburn, where I mentioned the game against Georgia State, they upset LSU at LSU when they had to come back. They obviously got blown out by Georgia. They lost to A&M in kind of a game that was a toss-up in November. But it got home, so pretty happy that Auburn under seven got there, especially how it did. That's the ultimate sweat, too, where you're sweating it for the entire season. Not even just a game. It's it's through months and months of this team and hoping yeah. they hit the under in their regular season wins. Not even not even sweating it over. It's sweating it under, which is somehow worse. But they made it. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And I think the game that I was think, trying to think of, that I forgot, but just remembered, they beat Ole Miss. And that was a game, Ben, you had our best bet on Auburn because it was catching yeah. Ole Miss at the right spot. It was a, definitely a good situational play by you. So you, along the way, you still made money. <laughs> on Auburn and the win total still you got know? there. So that was perfect. I think I actually stayed off that game because I was like, I really could use an Ole Miss win here, even though they played like four really big games in a row and Auburn was coming off a bye. So worked out Auburn under seven. They went six and six this season and uh, didn't expect it to come down to that game, I guess. Or actually, I ex- I wouldn't be surprised if it came down to that game. I just didn't expect them to almost win as eight to one money line underdogs. When you're looking at the schedule down the line and being like, okay, in the Iron Bowl, what's the spread going to be? Maybe Alabama minus 10 or something. But the injury to Bo Nix obviously probably helped out my bet to win it. Um, probably if they play that season over, a, a push is more likely than a, than a win most of the time. Let's do some grievances and lessons of what we learned this weekend. What's the lesson? What is the takeaway? Uh, and hopefully we can use going forward and stuff we had issue with. Penn State, as you mentioned, you have a uh, grievance with them. They were up to, as you said, minus four for their game against Michigan State, riddled with uh, flu uh, going through the team, and they still end up losing that game to Michigan State. Yeah, I don't know exactly how to complain. It's just I, <laughs> I got a good number. I got very fortunate, I thought, with the news that Michigan State had the flu, and I was feeling really good about that. Didn't feel the need to play back on Michigan State because all I had needed really was Penn State to win the game. 
And then they ended up losing. And there was a lot of weird things that happened in that game. Short missed field goals, both teams missing extra points. It was actually funny. Michigan State had a kicker who was injured, and that forced Mel Tucker to be very aggressive. And the, being forced to be aggressive actually helped him out. Like they scored a touchdown on like a fourth and 15 to kind of clinch the game. Uh, there was other situations where it was like fourth and short, and they went for it instead of potentially kicking a field goal. So it was kind of like maybe Mel Tucker, a very defensive-minded conservative coach, maybe that game will like teach him to be more aggressive because the aggressiveness worked out. And even yeah. though sometimes it's not going to work out and you're going to lose, if you're playing with so many players down, it's sometimes nice to just kind of trust your quarterback and they still had a, some of their good receivers and Kenneth Walker was was healthy. So disappointing there, especially because going in that day Saturday, I wasn't counting on it to win, but I was like, this is a very good number on Penn State against a ravaged Michigan State team who I thought would maybe have a little bit of a letdown just the way they lost to Ohio State the week before. God, I want to have a grievance against the Steelers because that team is unbelievably bad. And Mike Tomlin said at the end of the game, he goes, there needs to be some changes happening around here. And one of the changes that needs to happen, Nate, that I don't think is going to happen is they need to sit Ben Roethlisberger. They just need to fire him into the sun. He's done. He's cooked. He's not a good quarterback. There are plenty. Most quarterbacks in the league are better than Ben Roethlisberger at this point. They need some new offensive scheming to go on. Honestly, they probably need better receivers. That whole offense pretty much is just broken. Um, but they need some changes, and it starts with getting rid of Ben Roethlisberger. That I had them as plus plus four. I think I got them as, and you're thinking, you know, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, good underdog picks, can't go wrong picking them as underdogs against a rival in Cincy, a place where they usually play pretty well, and then they just lay an egg and they look terrible. Roethlisberger looks terrible. Their offense can't move the ball, which is honestly, I blame myself for not seeing the writing on the wall with that offense and how bad they are um, throughout this season and even in the last season, but. My God, Nate, I, I'm done with the Steelers until they get a new quarterback. I'm done until they make some offensive changes. It is a pitiful, pitiful team, and no one should ever put their money on them. And I uh, learned my lesson the hard way this past weekend. Yeah, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself, even though I, I totally get where you're coming from, because some of the more sophisticated bettors in the in the world bet this down to Steelers minus, plus three and like plus 120 or minus 120 minus 115 so the the sharp side was the Steelers they never had a chance but there was a lot of people with a lot of money who do this for a living who were on the Steelers and kind of saw what you saw where Mike Tomlin underdog road division game Ben Roethlisberger always plays well in his home state of Ohio there's going to be probably like 15,000 Steelers fans there because they travel so well. So I ended up using Steelers as my last pick in a contest where I needed five picks. I picked them over teams like the Buccaneers who ended up covering the contest line. So uh, that was a pretty tough one to, to watch early on and just know you have no chance. And I kind of made that decision late Sunday morning. And I definitely Same. agree with everything you say where just not – can't back Ben Roethlisberger, and I, I thought that maybe the situation would, would go well because the Steelers, as we've kind of done all year, we've faded them as favorites and considered them as underdogs because that's like the identity of a Mike Tomlin team. But, yeah, I guess the offense is bad, Ben, but also the defense, very disappointing, even though they yeah. got Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick and, and T.J. Watt back. I almost said J.J. T.J. Watt yeah. returned from an injury after they missed against the Chargers, and 
Later on the show, I have some interesting notes about the Bengals' upcoming game against the Chargers, who are the two teams that just last played the Steelers. And you have one more grievance and lessons before we get to some of these championship games in college football, and that is the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, the game we just last saw, Sunday Night Football, had Browns plus four in the contest, was trying to book a a three-and-two week, which I had a lot of trouble with the pick, so I would have loved three-and-two. And they were getting four in the contest. I bet them at plus four, at plus three and a half, a little on the money line. They pick off Lamar Jackson four times. They hold the Ravens to under four, four yards per play. It was a really good defensive effort. And even the, the success the Ravens had, it was a lot of like improvised throws by Jackson while he was being chased around. And then Baker Mayfield, which was kind of my worry about backing the Browns and his health, just did not play well. Obviously, he's hurt, but I thought the Browns could overcome that with their run game. They weren't able to run the ball. Just a disappointing performance overall. And the real part of it that stings is the Ravens are up three with the ball with like two and a half minutes left. Devontae Freeman runs for nine yards on first down and the Browns are out of timeouts. And then a holding call calls that uh, calls that run back. And if there wasn't a holding call, the Ravens have three chances to get a first down from one yard away and they'd be able to kneel on the ball and win by three. And I would have been perfectly fine with that, but the holding call backed them up first and 20. They were able to get enough yards to get in Justin Tucker's field goal range. He kicks the field goal with a minute left to go up six. So even with all the craziness that happened and the Browns opportunities to win, they still should have covered. But it was funny that a Ravens holding call actually hurt my chances to win the bet because if there isn't a holding call, they most certainly very likely at least on the next play or two get the first down two minute warning, no timeouts for the Browns. They take knees 13 to 10 is the final. And I would have been a lot happier uh, going to bed last night. (laughs) That did not. uh, Unfortunately, I, I don't think I can bet on any Ravens games anymore. They, they are just so unpredictable. And I think they are, They're kind of like what we saw with the Chiefs last season a little bit, where I think they are still a bit overrated in the market. And I I just I haven't seen anything from them to think that they can really cover any significantly big spreads. I I don't think Lamar Jackson is, quite frankly, that good of a quarterback this year. I think his accuracy is off. His decision making has been poor average at best. Uh, Their their line has been okay. Their receiving core is not very good. I just I don't I, I mean, Greg Roman's fine as an offensive coordinator, but. I don't want to go off on a tangent. I just I, I don't think the Ravens are are the team to really bet with high spreads this season. Um, I, I don't think they have the ability to really blow teams out at this point anymore. Um, and they do have injuries, obviously. So that, that could be yeah. an excuse. But I, they just I don't love the way that Lamar has played this year or that offense in general. Yeah. And the, the Ravens now they play at the Steelers this Sunday. And that's always a physical game. Browns are on a bye. And then the week after Browns host the Ravens so I'm (laughs) you mentioned about having a hard time backing betting Ravens games but situationally with the how the way played out last night the Browns at like a pick is going to be a great spot and I'm going to have to try to talk (laughs) myself out of betting it because I've been on the Browns so much this season and they've disappointed they're six and six their their regular season win total is ten and a half so they have not met expectations this season maybe another week for Baker Mayfield to get healthy helps but 
we'll see. I hope hopefully the Steelers kind of play a physical game and maybe they have their last stand and kind of bang up the Ravens and the Ravens are a battered group going into Cleveland in a really tough spot against the Browns team off a of bye. All right, let's do opening bell. Let's go rapid fire through these games since we'll be talking more in depth about them on Wednesday um, as we get closer to some of these conference title games. Some of these that matter for the college football playoffs. So let's go with the Big 12 championship taking place in Arlington, Texas. Baylor, Oklahoma State with uh, Oklahoma State having minus four and that total at 46 and a half. Um, first glance, I think I like Oklahoma State here with the getting four, with the minus four and eight. Yeah, so this line was as high as minus six. There were some questions about Baylor's quarterback situation. Gary Bohannon, who was dressed and warming up against Texas Tech, but he ended up not playing. I'd assume that he would play. He got hurt, I guess, two weeks ago against Kansas State. So I think this line at minus four indicates he will play, especially the line move that we saw on Sunday night. My thing in this game is Oklahoma State, off that big win against Oklahoma, stormed the field. It wasn't just a, a game, a rivalry game that they, you know, that's just a normal rivalry game. Obviously, it's a big deal. And also, they've been dominating that series by Oklahoma. So, feel like there's a chance that Oklahoma State has a little bit of a letdown here, even though this is a conference title game. If Bohannon suits up, I would definitely take a look at Baylor plus the points. Um, when this game was played on October 2nd, Oklahoma State won 24-14 in a low-scoring game. The spread actually was the same at Oklahoma State minus four. I know both teams have kind of improved a lot or been power rated up. Total is 47 that day. It's been bet down to 46 and a half. I think under actually might be the play, especially if Bohannon yeah. plays. I can see a total going up a little bit. I like the way Oklahoma's defense played in the second half against Oklahoma, where they didn't. They held Caleb Williams down. Uh, I think the only scores for Oklahoma in the second half were on a safety and a muff punt that they picked up in the end zone. So, um, sidewise, probably going to stay away, but I'm looking at some sort of way to bet the under in this game between Baylor and Oklahoma State. Yeah, the under was something I was eyeing too, especially since they, you know, these are teams that already played each other, and and I really like betting the under in the second game between two teams that have played each other this season. ACC championship: Houston at Cincinnati, minus ten and a half. Or excuse me, AAC championship: Houston at Cincinnati, minus ten and a half for Cincinnati for this AAC game. Um, the total is fifty-four. High total in this one. That makes sense. Both these teams can can score the football. But Cincinnati getting that double digit and the hook favorite. Yeah, I don't have much on this game, but worth noting, a lot of conference title games are on neutral fields. This game is at Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati. I believe in the Conference USA, they give the, uh, the conference title game to whoever had the better record. So it's at Cincinnati playing a Houston team they haven't played this year. Ten and a half is the spread right now. It was as high as 12. I'm a little bit worried about the idea of backing Cincinnati just because of the playoff pressure. There's going to be a lot of talk this week about if they deserve to be in, especially now that Ohio State lost. There's kind of a clear path for Cincinnati where if they win, they'll have a good chance to get in. I guess we'll see on Tuesday to get a better idea what the playoff committee thinks of the situation. But the playoff pressure kind of has me looking towards Houston if I was to bet the game. Probably won't at this point, but I agree with the early move on the Cougars from plus 12 to 10.5, some 10 out there on uh, on the Bearcats. 
Yeah, if this line stays closer to ten and a half, I can that get that extra hook in there. I, I think Houston might be a, a good bet for this one. If it gets under ten, I'll probably go Cincy because I can see them winning by double digits. But I do, I do kind of like that ten and a half in favor of Houston. Um, SEC championship game in Georgia, Alabama versus Georgia. This is going to be a very, very fun game with Georgia laying six and a half. That total is at 50 and a half and Bama just sneaking in, uh, sneaking in with that can still in the college football playoff after beating Auburn. But, uh, Georgia, obviously the team to beat undefeated this season, Nate. Um, but they are under a touchdown favorite at six and a half. Yeah, and it's uh it's rare territory for Nick Saban. So the last time a Nick Saban team was an underdog was 2015. And this is only the second time an Alabama team under Nick Saban has been an underdog since 2009, as long as the spread Crazy. stays the same or, you know, where Alabama's an underdog, which it appears it will. Look ahead line for this game there because we knew about this matchup weeks before. It was Georgia minus four. So a little bit of adjustment after Alabama's poor performance. I think one of the things in this game, other than, you know, Nick Saban is the underdog and he knows he'll be the underdog. And when they were an underdog, it was actually at Georgia and Alabama crushed them. So kind of always like Nick Saban, the underdog role. But I also kind of wonder what Georgia's motivation is, knowing that even if they lose, they're in the college football playoff. I know Kirby Smart would love to beat Alabama just because it's a statement win, but also to knock Alabama probably out of the college football playoff. But they also know that if they win, they'll maybe get another chance. And I don't know how how motivated Georgia is to win this game, especially if they have players banged up. They want to make sure they're healthy for the first semifinal. So I kind of like Alabama against the spread. Don't love it, though, just because of what we just saw from them against Auburn. And Auburn, yeah. I don't really think too much of, especially with Bo Nix out. So maybe the under in this game, although playing on a fast track at Atlanta kind of makes me a little bit nervous to bet under in any game in that stadium. So right now, if I was forced to play it, I would just take Nick Saban as an underdog and hope it gets me there. Maybe Georgia wins by three or four points like what it was on the look ahead. But an interesting adjustment and an expected adjustment after Alabama's poor performance from Georgia minus four to minus six and a half. And wouldn't be surprised if we see minus seven later this week. Yeah, that is um, it's it's this is going to be a really interesting game. I, I don't know which side to play at this moment in time. And maybe I will be convinced later on this week at some point. But the point about Georgia really not having too much to play for, I think, is an interesting one. I, I don't know how much that will impact the game, but I, I would imagine Smart would love to beat Nick Saban in the SEC championship game. So I, I, it's it, this is a tough one. And, and playing Nick Saban as an underdog, how often do you get to do that? As you mentioned the stats there, like you kind of almost have to take that on principle. Alabama but, is almost a touchdown underdog. It's literally a once-every-six-year occurrence where Alabama's <laughs> an underdog. Maybe it'll happen happen more in the future and in a potential national title game against Georgia. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not a, a common thing to back Nick Saban as no. underdog, but we might have the opportunity there. Not sure if I want to do it. Just looking kind of at Alabama's offensive makeup right now against one of the best defenses in recent memory in college football especially with off Alabama's offensive line, who had a lot of trouble keeping Bryce Young upright and in the pocket. So 
George is probably licking their chops when they were watching that game against Auburn, knowing that they are not getting the best version of Alabama that we've seen over the last few years. Yeah, we have uh, we have presidential elections more often than we get to bet Alabama as as underdogs in this country. Um, all right, Big Ten championship game in Indy, closing out a fun Saturday upcoming this weekend. Iowa, Michigan, Michigan. This is the uh, the classic letdown game after a huge win for Michigan after beating Ohio State for the first time in in J- uh, Jim Harbaugh's career at. Michigan minus 10 and a half, though, is what they're laying um, against Iowa. That total is at 43 and a half. Uh, I'm I, I loved to bet Michigan as an underdog. I'm a little worried about betting them as more than a 10 point favorite in this game. I still think they can win. Iowa's offense does not inspire any confidence in me, but 10 and a half is a lot. Yeah, I'll start off by saying I just won't. I know I won't be betting on Michigan in the favorite role off such a big win against Ohio State. And now they're a big favorite where all they have to do is win, and they're in the college football playoff. There's no need to run up the score. Uh, I just I don't know how. I think you can see them starting off flat a little bit. Uh, like you said, it's a kind of a classic letdown spot, but at the same time, it's hard to have too much of a letdown that you're playing for a Big Ten title, a, a yeah. place there. Jim Harbaugh's never been, knowing that you win this game, you're in the college football playoff. So if it was Wisconsin instead of Iowa, and if Wisconsin just beats Minnesota, or Iowa actually loses to Nebraska, Iowa closes an underdog at 3-8 and Nebraska last Friday, and they needed a 15-point rally to win this game and to even have a chance to be in it, and they end up doing it with Minnesota upsetting Wisconsin, then I would make a case for Wisconsin in this game, but it would be also a much lesser spread, so... I could see a Michigan letdown. We'll see about Iowa. I know Spencer Petras came back and led the comeback who started for most of the season for Iowa, so maybe they get a little bit of a boost because if it was Alex Padilla starting, I would want no part of the Hawkeyes in this game. I mean, Iowa was once the number two team in the country, and they beat Penn State. Um, obviously, yeah. offensively, they don't inspire much. They rely on turning the ball over, and I don't think Michigan is a team that's going to grant Iowa a lot of turnovers, just the way their identity is with running the ball with Haskins and Corum. And then and then uh, McNamara, not really much of a – more of a game manager where he's going to make the simple throws. And in a game like this, just don't turn the ball over. And I think Michigan should at least win the game. Not sure if they're going to cover the spread, especially with this game at, with a low total in the mid-40s. I love the under in this one. I, in this game, I think it could be like 13 to 6. I think Michigan can, <laughs> I, I think, especially because we know if Michigan is smart, which they have shown they can be this season, as you said, they know Iowa gets all of their strength from their defense and, and their turnovers. And Michigan runs the ball probably as one of the best running teams in the country. So you might as well just run the ball the entire game. Don't force passes you don't need, just like we saw McNamara have against Ohio State. I, I, I just think this is going to be a run-heavy game for Michigan. Iowa's going to struggle to score the football. Love love the under at this point at 43-and-a-half. Um, but let's look at some NFL games, too. We've got we've got some NFL games this weekend as well, Nate, including uh, with the college oh, yeah. football championship games. But uh, we do have a few NFL games with some line movement in Week 13 that we wanted to look at. Um, we have the Buccaneers at the Falcons with the Bucks going from minus 9-and-a-half to minus 11 Chargers at the Bengals with the Bengals going minus one and a half to minus three against the Chargers. And we have the 49ers at the Seahawks with money coming in for San Francisco. They're going from a pick'em to minus two and a half 
against the Seahawks for next Sunday. Of course, the Seahawks play on Monday Night Football tonight, so this is next Sunday's game, and the 49ers are minus 2.5. So out of those three games, do you see one that interests you with this line movement now? Yeah, I definitely like the Chargers at plus three this week. And just kind of looking at recent spreads with these teams, and they kind of have a an easy way to do this because they've both hosted the Steelers the last two weeks. And last Sunday, Chargers closed minus six and a half in a game where it was way more Steelers fans and Chargers fans like there mostly is. But I felt like that was even especially large for a Steelers contingent. Uh, at that game. So Chargers were a six and a half point favorite where they didn't have a home field advantage. And then yesterday, the Bengals closed only three and a half. And I know that TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick returned, but that's quite a big difference from the six and a half that the Chargers closed. So based on those closing lines, the Bengals should not be a field goal favorite in this game. If the Chargers were a three more than, or a three points or more favorite than the, the Bengals were yesterday, just based on closing numbers. I know the Chargers did lose yesterday, but they got out to a slow start. Then they kind of picked up on offense, but Justin Herbert threw an interception in the end zone when they had a chance to tie the game, and then they had a pick six later in the game to kind of make that score look worse. And the Bengals yesterday kind of played their perfect game against the Steelers, dominating. So I think there's a little bit of recency bias based on the results last week and I don't think the adjustment from one and a half to three is warranted just based on the closing lines with the Chargers closed minus six and a half against the Steelers eight days ago. And then yesterday, Bengals closing only three and a half against basically the same Steelers team, maybe just with a few defensive players back. But Chargers, I don't think can be minus three in this game. So pretty easy bet for me. And we'll see if it goes up a little bit more before making it a official best bet. But I do like the Chargers at plus three or better for Sunday. Yeah, I would agree. Out of all of those, I would trust the Chargers the most in that underdog role, especially coming off a pretty pretty bad game this past weekend. I don't I don't think they can be trusted as a favorite because there's something right. clearly wrong with that offense sometimes. But underdog, I, I like him, especially the Bengals. I mean, that's like the perfect situation, right? Bengals coming off a big win, Chargers off a loss, like you said. So. I do like that pick. Um, should we go to Monday Night Football preview? Yes, let's Look at do what it. we got. Seahawks at the Washington football team. Um, the Seahawks getting one point in this one, minus one, with that total at 47 points. And I will tell you, Nate, I didn't have a best bet for this game when we started the podcast, when we started recording. But what is it, 33 minutes later, I think I might make the under a best bet. All right. If you want some action, I'm I'm not going to talk you out of that. I think the under would make a little bit of sense, especially if you don't think Russell Wilson is 100% from the finger injury he suffered. It certainly doesn't look like he was 100% the last few games. They were shut shut out in Green Bay two weeks ago, and then last week they struggled against an Arizona team and lost against a Cardinals team that was starting Colt McCoy again and didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. So the under could make sense. I guess I'd be a little bit worried – that the Washington football team defense has disappointed this season, but maybe they rally for another week without Chase Young, their star defensive end, and kind of show that they're, you know, not just relying on him to get pressure and that they have other parts of the defense. So I I can see that for the under. Seems high. Um, I'm going to personally pass the game 
I ended up using Washington in a, in a contest where I needed seven sides. I was like my last pick just because there was an limited amount of games only having to choose from 12. I believe it was because there was three on Thanksgiving and I didn't take any there. Uh, but the more I think about it, and, and we talked about this game on Market Watch last week where the Seahawks moved from minus three and a half to basically pick them. Maybe even Washington at the t- was a favorite at the time of recording. I know that was a big adjustment, but I think that's kind of was warranted based on Seattle not playing well. And now they're three and seven. Their playoff chances are very slim. And Russell Wilson just not playing up to his potential. And Wilson was a player who kind of hit a lot of the deficiencies from the Seahawks team. And I think the Seahawks have gotten exposed the last few weeks with him not playing well. And then the few weeks before where he was injured. So if I had to play the game, I guess Washington, because I used him in a contest, but I personally won't be on anything. As I mentioned uh, early on in the show, not even sure if I'm going to watch it after watching so much football the last four days, kind of need a, a mental, uh, mental break from the game. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, I think I think I'm going to make the under best bet. I, I love it. Seattle on the road this season has not hit an over. They're 0 and 5 um, on the over this season on the road. Washington has hit it three times out of five. Um, has hit the over when they're playing at home. But Seattle is an awful, awful over team. And I think for some reason, I think they maybe continue to be overrated in the market. People think Seattle can just score points, but 47 for this game just. Man, it seems a little high. I, I expected like a 44 and a half, a, maybe a 45, but 47 in this one just, it seems a tad too high. And it's gone up a little bit in the past couple of days from 46. We saw some 46 and a halves. Um, it was 48 maybe a week or two ago. And so it went down and then it went back up. I, I, I don't know. I, I think the under is the right play here. I don't trust either team on offense. I don't know if Russ is 100%, but even if he is 100%, I don't trust that Seattle offense. They, they for some reason, it's kind of like the Ravens offense to me where they seemingly on paper have the ability to just blow teams out, but they can't execute. Um, and especially against the Washington defense that has struggled recently, but they still have the potential, especially at home, to play really well. So I'm going to go with the under in this game as a best bet, Nate. Um, the rare Monday night football best bet that we rarely have, but... I feel pretty confident. Under 47 in this one is best bet. All right. So under 47, best bet for you. Is there anything else you like today? Yes. So I have one NBA bet, and it's going to be on the Bulls, minus five and a half against the Charlotte Hornets tonight. The Bulls are at home. Mason Pumley for the Hornets is out. Uh, the Bulls have not looked great the past week. They had a very difficult schedule, five games in seven days. So it's understandable that they've been losing some games that they probably should win. They had a day off yesterday. They stayed at home. They were at home on Saturday. They lost the heat. They're going to be at home tonight. So they have been home the whole weekend. They haven't had to travel. They had the day off. Uh, I think they can cover five points at home against the Hornets. They have lost three of their last four. They're too good of a team to really fall into this big rut. I think listening to the players post game after their loss against the heat, they know how they have to play at what level they have to play to win these games and coming off a, a really hard physical fought game against the heat. I think they have more than enough to beat the Hornets at home, especially without Mason Pumley. I think Vucevic should come out of his funk. He'll be able to score a little bit more rebound a little bit more. I think the bulls can cover five. So I'm going to have the bulls minus five and a half as my NBA best bet. And then the Seattle Washington under 47 as my uh, NFL best bet tonight, Nate. All right. Sounds good. I'll, uh, 
I'll be rooting you on because I, I don't have any best bets. Uh, but definitely looking into some NFL. And if the Chargers, yeah. I see them dropping below three, I'll probably grab them. I'm hoping they don't. I hope it stays at three. And maybe on Wednesday's show, give that out as a best bet. But I don't know. That that game just seems too too good to pass up, given what the current recent spreads were between the Chargers and Steelers and then the Bengals and Steelers. I like it. And Wednesday, we'll be looking more in depth at these conference championship games, picking maybe some NFL games. And obviously, I'll have a bunch of NBA games uh, to pick from as well. So we have all of that coming up on Wednesday. Appreciate everyone tuning in after the uh, long Thanksgiving weekend. Let's have a good week. Let's have some let's have a winning week after Thanksgiving and we will uh, see you all on Wednesday. 